to be free Witness in the streets For justice and for peace With masks on And six feet in between An image of real Christians Knowing love and loss and pain We're living life in and out of time Perspective skewed By ancient mind Step by step Through the unknown Why still pop me I am of years ago, my brother-in-law gave me a cheeky Christmas gift. He knows that I love coffee and scripture, and so he gave me this um, photo print of a steaming cup of coffee with a verse from Ephesians 5.14 inscribed on it. Any of you know scripture well enough to know what Ephesians 5.14 says? Sleeper, wake! (laughs) That picture is hanging in my kitchen. And I giggle a little bit each time I notice it. But, disappointingly, the author of the letter to the Ephesians was not talking about coffee. That letter is actually urging hearers to open our eyes to the realities of life around us, to notice the pain and evil, and to commit with all our being to living as children of light and imitators of God. In today's episode, Naomi from the Church of the Brethren Office of Peacebuilding and Policy talks with Reverend LaDonna Nkosi, the Director of Intercultural Ministries for the Church of the Brethren, about connections between racial injustice, economic injustice, and the ongoing global pandemic. As of this recording, the end of October 2020, More than one in every 1,000 black Americans has been killed by COVID-19. That statistic does not mean that one in every 1,000 black people who've had the virus has died. It means one in every 1,000 black Americans, period, has been killed by COVID-19. That's more than three times the rate that the virus is killing white Americans. Naomi and Rev LaDonna talk about these intersections of race and health and economics, and they invite us to take the wake-up call. As you listen, I invite you to reflect on what God is calling you to notice, to see, to grieve, to lament, to do. What kind of wake-up call is ringing for you? And will you answer it? Well, greetings of peace, everybody. It's so good to be with you in the Dunker Punks broadcast. This is Reverend LaDonna Nkosi, and I'm the Director of Intercultural Ministries with Church of the Brethren. And I'm so glad to be here with my sister here and with all of you for this important discussion and time. 
Thank you. So I'm Naomi Yoma, associate with the Office of Peace Building and Policy, Church of the Brethren. Um, yeah, and at the OPP, we work with various um, interfaith, faith-based, and non-faith and um, non-governmental organizations to bring up, um, talk about, and address issues that are of concern to to the church, to the church members, and to the Church of the Brethren. Yeah, so we can get started with prayer. Amen. Amen. Would you like me to start? Yes, please. All right. Well, y'all, let's pray. So, God, we thank you for gathering us together once again and even for the technology that connects us across the miles. God, we even as we have this conversation and even as we pray, we just call upon your peace and healing to be upon the land. For your word says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, will seek my face, will turn from their wicked ways. You say, oh God, then you will hear from heaven. You will forgive sin and heal the land. And so even as we gather on today on this um, Dunker Punks broadcast, we thank you for healing in the land we thank you for encouragement. Um, we thank you for your peace debate be made manifest. And we just thank you for the opportunity of bringing us together. Thank you, God. Amen. Thank you. Amen. 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 <laughs> Great. Okay. So today we'll be talking about racial justice and economic justice and the intersection between the two. Um, We'll just be having a discussion on that. And yeah, I think I want to get started with how do you stay motivated in this time? Um, how do you stay grounded? I know this is a lot of work and it's a very, it's a very difficult time um, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Um, should, I think we can talk a little about um, what we do and what do you do? Yeah, I have um, a couple things that are really important to me. And the first and foremost is to stay spiritually grounded in this time. Um, and so I really, uh, I learned that. I don't want to say the hard way, but if we can all think back to those days earlier this year, when the days when everyone first went on lockdown, remember it was mm -hmm. like the middle of the week and all of a sudden they were telling us we couldn't go back to church. We needed to get food and stay at our house. And um, all of a sudden I just, well, not all of a sudden, but through those times I felt myself being a little more uh, less patient with people, a little more on edge. And um, in order to get my grounding, I just began to, commit to prayer, commit to, especially the morning time, like even this morning before we're meeting Naomi, um, mm -hmm. I just rise early and just have time with God, time reading, uh, time being still. Uh, also during those days, I took walks um, like I never did before, just around the block and then back in. So being intentional about my spiritual practice um, is how I stay grounded. And it's a must have. Like if I miss that morning prayer um, mm -hmm. and then have to jump into a meeting, I, it's not the same. 
Um, so I really encourage that. And then the end of the day, um, that's how I stay grounded. But then um, the second thing I would say is being intentional about um, connecting with people um, and key people. So even as we're on this podcast today and connecting in with you, like just throughout the day, at least once a day, I would make a point to connect with someone that um, we would have life-giving conversation <laughs> intentionally. Um, that's how I've been able to stay grounded and intentional. We're talking about racial justice during this time of pandemic and crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a time when many of us, probably almost everyone has family members that they cannot see that they have not seen for six, eight months (laughs) or more. And so in the middle of pandemic time and in the middle of um, really the racial crises, I really had the need to see my family. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we literally um, began having Zoom dinner meetups on Saturday nights and you know, who knew about Zoom until we all had to be on it. And we said right. there was one of the crises this year where we all had to see our family. And I, we have family members in California during those fires and just how great it felt to get um, connected. So those are ways that I um, stay grounded, just mm-hmm. being intentional um, and also in especially time with God. Yeah, that's, I'm glad you mentioned Zoom. Um, I think about this a lot. Um, I know, like, the, the the timing of the pandemic, had it happened any time earlier than this, things would have been very different. Um, and I'm just glad that we have, like, the technological c- capabilities to, even though we cannot be normal, we can still socialize in a not physical way. Um I am an international student um, and my parents lived back home and they were supposed to come visit over the summer for graduation, but they couldn't because of the pandemic. But still, we were able to connect and see each other through like video calls. And it's still it makes such a big difference um, mentally and just emotionally. So, yeah, I'm glad that this is the time that it happened when we are when we have so many other alternatives. You know, thank you for mentioning that. No problem. Thank you for sharing. Should we move on to our mates? Okay. The importance, because we often talk about the intersectionality of things, how you must address one thing to address the other. Like things don't exist individual or independently from each other. So um, I want to talk about addressing racial justice, racial equity and inequality. Um, in order to address economic injustice or to achieve economic justice? Well, one of the things in this time, uh, I think we can see how economics hit at work, the difference between the haves and the have not. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that we talked about um, how in in the beginning of the time of COVID-19 and even people having... Um, people's access to health care affects 
how if they did get the virus, if they would live to, to through it. And mm-hmm. so um, we see an intersection between economic justice and racial justice. Um, and in fact, in some ways, you really cannot separate them. I, I want to pass it over to you because I know this is a passion and a, um, some wisdom that you bring to us about the intersection and importance. And there's some images that you shared recently that have still stuck with me. Do you want to talk about um, those intersections a little bit? Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's it's still something that I'm exploring and still something that I'm learning about. Um, and in this learning, like so far, understanding that to address economic justice, we must address racial justice, injustice issues. Um, they cannot co- they cannot exist without the other. Um, I attended this workshop recently, um, and someone said something that really stuck with me. And I shared this before too, but um, someone said race must be at the center stage of all of our conversations because it's the deepest wedge in American society. Um, Again, they're just saying to address anything, we must address race and racism in this country because it's the biggest factor so far. It's very systemic and it exists in all of our infrastructure, all of our system, all of our institutions. Um, And that that was a very interesting, powerful and scary thing to hear, to be honest. And I think right now in the pandemic, we're seeing a lot of the gaps, like the racial wealth gap we see. And then we see how that transfers to like the economic um, gaps. And we see how minoritized populations are really like most impacted by COVID as a health crisis, but also as an economic crisis. Um, And we just, we really need to, do our best to advocate and do our best to to educate and to 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 just like work to change these systems so we can be more equitable and so that race is not like an issue so race is not an a deciding factor and when we look at oh someone is economically better or um race should not be like a correlative factor in all of this um yeah, so what do you think? Well, um, for me, in one way, it's hard to separate the two uh, or or in the sense, I think I was sharing with you how in our city here in Chicago, how um, for several months, um, the number one cases and, of course, the first cases of COVID-19 and deaths of COVID-19 were African-American people. Um, and so that has changed every week. It changes. Uh, but, and now when we look at the numbers though, we do see that, um, it does impact people from, um, lower income backgrounds. And again, I think it's, it has to do with even vulnerability levels. For example, here, you know, they told us don't take the public transportation, you know, so some people can, because of their economic status, they can stay home. They can say, you know, I'm going to stay home and other people cannot do that. Or some people can drive 
and other people cannot. So it's the reason I say it's hard to separate because it's like, well, our people, well, let me back up. That's why I think what you said about addressing racism um, to undo economic injustice, like, Mm -hmm. is important. Um, But I think um, being aware of both, because really until you have brought the question or the analysis of economic injustice into the conversation, we could never address that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to be willing to address that, the same is true with um, gender bias, as you talk about the economic wealth gap and the impact on um, on women. So it's like each of these are intersecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember being at a healing an anti-racism training when I was in university and um, the speaker talked about how these um, classism, racism, sexism, all are intertwined and you can like undo the thread of one and it'll loosen the, the whole. And so, uh, yeah, I yeah. that's um, so there's this really interesting article um, slash report from the Economic Policy Institute, I think, when it's titled Black People. um, Let me look at this so I don't, so I can quote exactly. It says Black workers face two of the most lethal pre-existing conditions for coronavirus, racism, and economic inequality. Um, And I think this points to exactly what you said um, earlier, how like the systemic injustices um so far have really like set up um black people for failure basically in in covid times you know they they have to deal with racism and they have to deal with economic inequality um so the the issues of how um people cannot necessarily like not take the train or not take public transportation or live really far away from each other um even quarantine is an economic and it's it's an economic issue um, because if you live in a one bedroom apartment with four people, you cannot self-isolate um, and you put everyone at risk, but that's a, of no fault to yourself. That's, of, that's externalities that you cannot control. Um, so yeah, it's issues in the past that have prevented Um, Black people and minoritized populations from achieving fair housing, um, fair education, um, proper access to infrastructure. Um, All of those are really exasperating things and making things worse when it comes to to COVID. Um, So I am glad you mentioned that. Um, And I think that can take us, that's a segue to our next topic. (laughs) How do you think, because we cannot um, talk about anything now without talking about the pandemic. Um, How do you think, what role do you think that has in, in how we view things today in how we view racism and racial justice issues today? Um, My question mainly is, do you think these are, stuff that always existed or are we more aware to uh, are we more aware of them now because all of us were in lockdown and we had more 
time to look at things um are we more aware because everything is on many things are on social media now um and we're on social media more and we they're in our faces so we can't ignore them anymore or are things actually getting worse um what do you think about that Naomi you're like a scholar a theologian and a sociologist (laughs) roll up in the one because those questions are integral, like, um, and I've thought about this since you mentioned it. Well, I would say I remember, it's so weird. I think I didn't see, or or maybe I was on social media and I read the, the story about Ahmaud Arbery, but it was so weird like I was like did this really happen not that I was watching it maybe I didn't want to believe it happened and then sometime later someone had produced the um I mean people knew it happened but then sometime later there was someone there who uh took a video of it Mm -hmm. and that video came out and um I remember being astounded and someone saying, well, you know, we know these things have always happened. And historically, lynchings have happened in the past quite regularly and Mm -hmm. happen now. Um, It's quite striking that someone was there and took that video, you know. Mm -hmm. And so someone said to me, well, you know, now we're in the video culture. And then, of course, since that time, we've had several um, deaths and murders that have been... um, we can see them. The one that's yeah. the most to me is the one of um, Mr. George Floyd. And um, so that being said, I do think our culture of, you know, Rodney King, which was in the nineties also was on a video. Mm-hmm. So we have to ask, and that did, and I guess a lot of came out of that as well. But I think that's a part of it. I think that's definitely a part of it. I don't think there's more. I think also for us, the fact that every couple weeks, like there's something, it's just um, some people talk about the multiplicity of it. Like you can't even separate. Are you upset because of Breonna Taylor's murder or the fact that her name was never mentioned when... Mm -hmm. um, it, the grand jury verdict came back or what, you know, and you don't know if you're still upset because of things that happened two weeks ago or three weeks ago. So I think it's multiple factors. I do think the video um, also, I don't know about everyone else, but um, during this time, more than any time, I get my updates from social media. Not that I'm looking for the stories because I'm very aware that there's false news everywhere Mm -hmm. but I'm looking at what my friends are posting what um people from the church are posting you know what's going on like in Oregon or what's going on for you like in DC so I'm looking to see what are people saying and so therefore I'm on my social media and then I see oh my gosh this happened and this happened and this happened (laughs) so it's like you're there so I think your thesis is right that we are um not only inside, but depending on the internet for our communication. It might be more. I don't know. I think we just see it more. And yeah. I think our hearts are um, 
if you're one, like even me, when I see stories on social media, I do scroll by because it's like only so much I can take, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but at a point, you have to deal with that. And so your thesis about are we inside? Are we still, are we not over busy as we were before that we have to reflect on these things um, mm-hmm. and getting to the point where you cannot hide from the fact that racial injustice is a problem. Um, mm-hmm. You may not know how to fix it. Um, you may not know what to do, but your heart is pulled when you hear this or you're disturbed. So yeah. what do you think about this, Naomi? I I think it's an impossible question to answer. <laughs> oh, you're asking. Well, maybe we should ask them, too, to think about that. Yeah, so, um, yeah, all of our audience, you should uh, you should really think about this. Is, it's a packed issue, you know? Um, I, I definitely think that we are more, like, everything is more in our faces. I also think that a lot of people were they turned from just regular students, from just regular people to activists in a matter of weeks, days, even months is too short. Um, And everyone was just thrown into it, you know? Um, So that's where your idea of self-care really comes in. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it is important for us to participate and it's important for us to play our role, play our parts. Um, but it's also important for us to make, to maintain our like spiritual, mental, emotional well-being. So we know the things we're doing are, we're doing them as effectively as possible. Um, and we're making correct decisions, decisions that um, we've taken time to like slowly think about um, and assess um, and really think about you know, what the consequences are. Um, and we've taken time to educate ourselves. But yeah, I think now we're, it's more difficult to get away from issues, which is a good thing. Um, but it's a bad thing if you want to like take some space for yourself um, and take some mental time off. Um, but I'm happy that this is not something we can ignore anymore change needed to come um racial racial justice issues in this country needs to be addressed um and i'm glad this is not something we could hide from anymore Um, so yeah that's what i believe um can i just say one more thing yeah sure um it's a wake-up call exactly life if if we go each of us go back and think about our lives there's certain things that happened in our lives that woke us up to something mm-hmm. it didn't necessarily have to be negative or bad or injustice, but it woke us up. And if we don't recognize now that we're in a wake up call, uh, you know, some people believe that if you don't get a message, that it'll things will keep happening until you get it. So mm-hmm. let's take the wake up call. Um, let's, let's, I mean, we've learned a lot of lessons here, like how important our relationships are, the ability to be around each other. But we've Mm -hmm. also learned that racism does exist, that it not only exists, but it's, it's embedded in our systems and in our lives. And, um, so let's take the wake up call. And if you don't, 
I, I'll give an example. One of the things that happened here mm-hmm. um, is our state um, came up with a program called Healing Illinois. Mm-hmm. And basically, they're giving opportunity for everyday people through an organization of their choice to apply for funding to do racial healing in their community. And so it's like, would we have had that before this time? Yeah. Not at this level. And um, mm-hmm. yet, as I was thinking about it today, what a unique opportunity. Like we're thinking about how we can connect people across the state and across neighborhoods and across cultures. And people can do that without worrying about, do we have the money for it? Do we have the infrastructure? So let's take the wake up call. Um, That's what I'm thinking. And I, yeah. And, and then begin to heal these injustices that are rooted in the systems, um, that we deal with every day, our education system, our economic system, our political system, our religious system, churches, Mm -hmm. um, and let's do healing from the inside out um, so that we don't have to keep learning these lessons over and over again. But back to you, sister. (laughs) I'm getting excited about that myself. Oh, it's, that's great that you framed it this way. It, it, that's exactly what it is, a wake up call. And I think it's opened our eyes to a lot of the things that we're missing and a lot of the things that we need to work on. So, um, yeah, I think that's also another great segue to our final point. Um, what are the things that we as people, we as members of church um, can do to to contribute? Um, what this is what 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 is this wake up call telling us to do? Yeah. Well, again, I'm led to say first before we answer, let's uh, ask our audience who's listening. Just take a moment and think about what are some things that you can do that mm-hmm. you've done, and um, and I'm gonna pass it to you first, Naomi. Uh, yeah. You have some good ones. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Oh, so I was thinking, um, I think now more than ever, again, as I said earlier, um, technology is allowing us to play parts that we couldn't previously play. Um, and we can contribute in ways that are very, um, they might not seem as important, but they are extremely important. Um, so for example, social media, if we usually have social media at our fingertips. Um, we have access to the internet. Um, one way that we can contribute is just using our social media, spreading awareness, making sure that um, people around us, people in our networks and um, people in the community are aware of things that are going on Um just like you said, a lot of a lot of us get our news from social media now, just because that's that's what's happening at the moment. It's very quick, um, and it's it's very indicative of a lot of people's experiences, um, like a lot of people's experiences at the moment. Um, so, for example, if you have a social media following, you can really use that to spread awareness of messages. Um, and then that also brings me to like the second point, which is educating ourselves. 
Um, a lot of the work of advocates is to educate people. So if you are able to seek out resources, if you are able to um, just look for stuff to educate yourself, you take that load off of activists and advocates um, because you've already done that part. Um, and whether that pushes you to to act or to not act, um, you've still played your part, you know? Um, so yeah, those are the things that I could think of. Yeah, that's really powerful um, to take it upon yourself to educate yourself kind of along those lines. And I do think it's a great opportunity um, to educate yourself, to listen to voices that are other than your own or your area of familiarity. Um, so what I've been doing is actually listening to audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suggest that people, um, you know, listen to some of these books in the voices of the people that are other than what you're used to, who you're used to, or just the authors. Mm-hmm. Um, an example, we uh, read the book Everyday Ubuntu for our book discussion earlier this year, which we actually had that online. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I did was I listened to it. Um, and so every day I was hearing an African voice, a South African voice. It's like I talk a lot about how global we are, but most of the voices I hear are the, are the ones like me or, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so um, I would say that. So I would challenge, you know, learn about racial injustice and undoing your own um, complicitness to racism mm-hmm. um, and listen to some voices, hear some voices other than maybe what you're used to. I think that's that's good. You can even have fun with it. Um, there's book discussions all over the place you can be on. I think Honored Feast is having a book discussion with Drew Hart's book coming up. Um, I, I don't even want to name everyone because there's some great book discussions. But do your work. I mean, Naomi, you said it nicely, but do your own work as well as collaborate with others. Um, mm-hmm. I would say would be my number one on what you can do and and, um, support some organizations and and work on dismantling these injustices. In one way, when we're having these book discussions and discussions, we're thinking about it. But at some point, you have to work on dismantling the injustices. So if that means connecting with the organization in your community um, that's doing that work, or now we're global because we're all online, you could connect with someone who's doing that work and support them um, and and literally deconstruct racism where you are and um, in a more public sphere. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. That's great. Thank you very much for sharing. Um, yeah, thank you so much. This is a very interesting interesting discussion i hope um, all of our audience found it interesting also and you left us with a lot of points to think about um which is which is the point we should always be thinking about this issue because it's not it's not something that goes away so thank you very much for your time thank you thank you and anyone that's interested in um participating in any trainings 
around um, racial justice, healing, um, just give us a call, Intercultural Ministries. And I know Naomi, Peace Building and Policy is doing a lot of work, but reach out to us. Um, you can reach us at intercultural at brethren.org or racial justice at brethren.org. And let's connect and um, and do the work. Great. Thank you. Here's the fuller context of that verse from Ephesians that my brother-in-law's gift makes me think of every morning. Sleeper, wake, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. My prayer for all of us Dunker Punks is that we will wake up and learn to live as wise witnesses, filled with the Spirit, giving thanks and joining in God's work of mercy and justice right where we are. Thanks for listening. The Dunker Punks podcast is dedicated to the faithful work of waking up to God's truth together. This episode was created by the Office of Peacebuilding and Policy. I'm your host, Dana Cassell. Jacob Krause edits the show and creates our music. Taylor Cole manages communication. Suzanne Lay is in charge of production. The Arlington Church of the Brethren hosts and sponsors the show. And On Earth Peace provides ongoing outreach and production support. You can find archives on iTunes and online at arlingtoncob.org slash dpp and you can connect with us on social media at dunker punks pod or by emailing dpp at arlingtoncob.org until next time dunker punks keep awake